On today's episode of the Digging In Podcast, we talk about Rehoboam and Jeroboam. everybody in the Digging In family. Welcome back to another episode of the Digging In podcast lessons from series. You have made it to episode two of week five, which means you've made it through 29 episodes and you are now on episode 30. And uh, let me tell you what, man, this is awesome. This is so cool that you guys are here. It's so cool that you guys are absolutely and unequivocally crushing it. I am so proud of all of you, and uh, I hope that this has been a really awesome tool for you as you have been uh, digging into Scripture and, and growing in your personal knowledge of God and, and hopefully also your love for God. Because the goal is not for you just to be smarter uh, and to know more about God, um, because you can know about anyone. I can know, I can know anything about anyone just by Googling them, but the goal is to transfer that knowledge from the head to the heart and let this be an opportunity for you to know more about God and honestly just fall deeper in love with him. And so nice work on making it all the way here. And let me just tell you, last episode may have seemed kind of random, but as you can tell, it was based on a conviction of my heart on the way that I really honestly mistreated the great King David. And so uh, last episode was kind of me rehashing a few things and, re- and talking about a few things, but making sure to emphasize the, the point that he's a human being, just like you, just like me. So we are going to now actually just move past uh, King David, and we already did an episode on Solomon, so I'm going to pick right back up right after Solomon, and we're going to look at the downfall of Israel as we enter into a Judges 2.0 scenario where Israel is um, kind of just falling down into a deep pit, um, and, and just the different kings that are going to be at play and, and how they play into the story. And so we're going to be looking at the first two kings right after Solomon and the important roles that they play in the future of Israel to this point. And so those two kings are kings you may be have never heard of before, but guys with very similar names, uh, but honestly very different Storyline. So we're going to be looking at the stories of Rehoboam and Jeroboam. But before we do that, let's go ahead and grab our Bible, a pen, and some paper, and let's dig in. Father God, thank you so much for bringing us together, for allowing us the opportunity to uh, listen to this podcast, listen to this daily devotional to learn more about you, but ultimately to fall deeper in love with you. I pray that as I talk today about Rehoboam and Jeroboam, that this wouldn't just be, again, another knowledge pursuit and an intellectual growing, but rather that this would have the, the ability to reach into the hearts and the souls, the minds of every single one of us to change us to be more in love with you and more willing to allow the Holy Spirit working within us to change us into the men and women you want us to be. So thank you, God, for the opportunity that we have to do this freely to do this without fear of persecution, um, where around the world that's not the case. But thank you so much uh, for this opportunity and for this blessing. We love you so much and open our eyes up to see what it is you want us to see. We love you, God. Amen. All right, guys, if you guys would, have you open up that Bible and uh, flip on over to 1 Kings 11. 1 Kings 11, verse 41 is where you're going to start today. And your reading is going to extend all the way to 14, verse 20. So we're going to cover both of those kings. And then ultimately, as you'll read here in a minute, the split 
of Israel. This is obviously huge because, you know, beforehand, before like into the judges era, what we had was a, was 12 tribes of Israel all split up, all different, all being led by different rulers and a whole bunch of disaster. If you guys remember that, that splitting up of the nation of Israel led to disaster. And then it was all brought together by David And when David unified the entire nation of Israel, what we saw was peace and prosperity, the immense blessing of God, and the unity of the entire body of Israel under one banner, the banner of God, the Ark of the Covenant in Jerusalem. But what happens, as you can tell, is Israel splits up. So what you're about to read about is the north and south split of Israel, that there's two tribes in one direction and 10 tribes in the other direction. They have different names. We have Israel in the north and Judah in the south. And so you're going to read about the actual division, the splitting of the kingdom. And as you know from the judges period, When the kingdom is split, when there's no unity and everyone's being led and ruled by different human beings who don't have a good design, disaster usually follows. So go ahead and pause this podcast and I want you to read 1 Kings 11.41 all the way to 1 Kings 14.20 to read about the stories of Rehoboam and Jeroboam. So just a quick recap, we remember that uh, after David and all of his unity, he ends up dying and his son Solomon takes over the rule of Israel. He's wise. He makes a lot of really cool decisions, makes a lot of really, honestly, pretty epic uh, moves as a king. And it says that the Lord never blessed any other king the way that he blessed Solomon. So Solomon received a lot of blessings. He was rich beyond all belief, but it started to get to his head. And so did foreign alliances. He started to make bet or makes not bets, make uh, alliances with foreign nations. So that way no one would attack him uh, because he was scared of being attacked and he was nervous about losing his kingdom. And then ultimately what ends up happening is through his 700 wives and 300 concubines, he eventually falls to the ideas and the ways of foreign nations and starts worshiping many gods. And then the Lord raises up adversaries against him to bring him down as king. And this is the fallout of those adversaries, the the ones who came up to defeat Solomon and defeat the kingdom of Solomon ultimately. And so the, the reason the Lord raised up these adversaries is because just like all this other time before human beings began to worship other gods and began to worship themselves and not the God of the universe that has so richly blessed them. And so Solomon being more blessed and more rich than anyone else is all of a sudden worshiping another God, forgetting who was the one who blessed him. And so God says, listen, your decisions and the way that you're doing this, uh, this, this cannot happen. And so I'm going to raise up an adversary that will take down this kingdom and it will take down this kingdom in a way that you guys will then eventually be brought so low that another adversary is going to come in and they're going to take you into exile. They're going to take you to a foreign nation where the nation of Israel will be in exile. It won't be forever. It'll just be a temporary thing, um, but it's going to happen. So we'll get into the details of that here in a little while. Uh, Maybe not this episode, but what we're going to talk about is the fallout of those adversaries with the raising up of Rehoboam and Jeroboam. So once again, uh, just that was just a quick recap. Uh, So let's, let's go ahead and dive into the story. 
All right. So this is a interesting story. <laughs> Some interesting reading for sure. And it, it might be a little confusing uh, where and when and who and why. And so I'm just going to try to keep track of the names and who's talking and the situations uh, that, that are happening. And so uh, first and foremost, the reason I had you guys read 1141 was so that you would see um, from 41 down that Solomon has died and that who is in his place is his son, Rehoboam. And so people thought, you know, just like normal, all right, the son of the king, he'll be the next king. And so Rehoboam becomes the king, but then there's this guy named Jeroboam. And Jeroboam's like, you know what? Uh, I don't know if I really want this guy to be the king because Solomon, his, his dad, it made our lives hard. Like he made our lives just not so great. And so now we're learning from like this random fallout, this random almost rebellion or, uh, you know, resistance group outside who apparently didn't like Solomon that much, even though he was you know, a, a blessed king. And they didn't like him, not like David anyway. And so uh, to that point, Jeroboam kind of raises up a group of people and he goes out and he seeks counsel from some wise people and they tell him one thing. And then he goes and seeks counsel from his young friends and they tell him the exact opposite thing. And so who does he trust? Well, they, he trusts the <laughs> the people who, uh, you know, psych him up, who pump him up. And so he, he trusts those people. And those are the younger people who lack wisdom, who lack experience, but rather are just all jazzed and pumped up, which is sometimes what we see in modern day culture, right? We may not listen to the advice and the wisdom of our elders, the advice and the wisdom of our parents, because we think we know better. So we listen to our friends who jack us up and pump us up and say, no, 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 dude, dude forget what your parents said. Forget what they said. Teachers don't know anything. You know, these, these, adults, they don't know anything about our lives. So let's not listen to them. Let's do what we want to do. And so sure enough, that happens. Jeroboam returns to Rehoboam and says, Hey, uh, listen, here's the deal. You are nothing in comparison to me and I'm going to take you down. So Rehoboam leaves that place and he goes and takes the tribe of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin and basically sets up an army. So that way, if Jeroboam comes and tries to fight them, they, they can protect Jerusalem and, and win this battle. But then a prophet comes and says, hey, do not fight those people. God does not want you to. They're your relatives in Israel. Even though they are rebelling, do not fight them. And this begins the division of the kingdom. So Rehoboam takes the tribes of Judah and Benjamin and they become Judah. And then Jeroboam takes the other 10 tribes and they're called Israel. And so what you read in the next section in uh, starting in 25 is a ridiculous story that should be ringing some bells in your heads of Exodus 32. If you guys haven't had a chance to listen to the Exodus episodes, I would highly recommend you do that because again, the Exodus and the, the major themes of the Exodus will play out all through scripture. And this is what we see right here in 1 Kings 12, 25 through the end of the chapter is Jeroboam setting up golden a golden calf and not just one golden calf like in Exodus 32, but two golden calves. So twice as bad as kind of the idea that we're reading here is that not only did he set up a golden calf for the people of Israel to worship as their God, but he sets up two of them saying, these are the golden calves that you will worship. And then not only that, but he takes people who are not of the tribes of Levi. So the ones who are supposed to be priests, he takes other members from other tribes and says, you guys are going to be the priests, the priests of the golden calves. And uh, so basically Jeroboam is just pointing in the exact opposite direction, leading the 10 tribes of Israel that he has in the completely opposite direction of God. This is called apostasy. Um, this is not good. 
as they are worshiping false gods. They are setting up an entire system of government and rule based on false gods and on false interpretations and on everything but God. And so this is starting to look like Genesis 11, a group of people who are so dead set on becoming their own gods and their own masters that they totally forsake and uh, leave God behind. And that leads us into a very interesting chapter in chapter 13. In chapter 13, we have two separate stories. And in the first story, we read about uh, Jeroboam up up on his altar that he's created, this evil and terrible altar where he's offering sacrifices and this prophet, this man of God who comes to call out to rebuke him, who's, who's basically saying, listen, you have messed up. You have left God and you're choosing your own things. And so because you've done that, some not so awesome things are going to happen. And uh, in that moment, he reaches across the altar and says, seize this man, grab him. We don't want him around here. Like, arrest him, you know, take him away. And as he reaches across the altar, his skin dries up completely and he can't retract his own arm. It's this gross image, but it's this powerful image that across this altar, anything on this altar, it's just death and just not goodness, <laughs> that sacrificing to these other gods, that choosing other gods other than God is death. And so uh, the man obviously escapes and uh, this prophet goes on his way. And then we read the continuation of his story as he runs into another prophet from a different area. And he's, he's told this, if you guys remember from the first part of that, of his story, he's told to never return. He's told to leave and not come back. And so he's leaving. The prophet is leaving, um, just as God instructed him to leave and not come back. And this other prophet hears about him and tries to get him to come back. And he says, no, no, it's, it's all good. Like I'm a prophet too. I think God would want us to talk together and get to know each other. And so he's like, oh, you're probably right. You are a prophet. And so he comes back comes back into town with this guy and they meet and have dinner together. And then all of a sudden that guy dies. The prophet, the new prophet who we just learned about, uh, convinced him to go against the word of God and God being just and righteous and available or able to do whatever he wants to do says, you disobeyed my command. You are a prophet of God. You are held to an even higher standard, but you disobeyed my command. You are no different than Jeroboam himself. And across that altar, your altar where you chose yourself and your way and not mine, you too will die. And it's harsh. It's, it's insane, guys, because ultimately what happens is that the second prophet, it, he mourns and, and cannot believe what happens. But then Jeroboam in 1333-34 does not even turn away from evil. In fact, he makes more priests and makes more altars and does all kinds of even more things. And in verse 34, it says, And this thing became sin to the house of Jeroboam, so as to cut it off and to destroy it from the face of the earth. I mean, Jeroboam is leading these people into utter disaster, and the people don't even see it. They don't even, I mean, they're all these generations removed from the Exodus generation, but they don't even remember the stories of the golden calves. And so Israel has lost complete sight of who the real king is. And with that, we're only two generations removed from David, the great king. And Israel is now divided. And so then as you read through 14, 1 through 20, you're going to read about the prophecy against Jeroboam. The prophecy that essentially says, 
uh, in verse seven, because I exalted you from among the people and made you leader over my people, Israel and tore the kingdom away from the house of David and gave it to you. And yet you have not been like my servant, David, who kept my commandments and followed me with his heart doing only what was right in my eyes. But instead you have done evil above all who were before you and have gone and made for yourself other gods and mental and metal images provoking me to anger. And I have cast my, your, and, and you've cast me behind your back. Therefore, behold, I will bring harm upon the house of Jeroboam and will cut off from Jeroboam every male, both bond and free in Israel, and will burn up the house of Jeroboam as a man burns up dung until it's gone. <laughs> God just called Jeroboam poop and says, I'm going to burn you and your entire house. There will be nothing left of the house of Jeroboam because all you've done is chosen yourself over me. And so as you finish reading that, you read about the future king of Israel a little bit and you read about basically what, what's going to happen uh, for the future of Israel. But then what we read when we end that story at the end of 20 is that Jeroboam is dead and guess what? His son Nadab is going to reign in Israel. And then I wanted you guys to just read a 20, but if you were curious and you wanted to continue reading a little bit more, you could read 21 through the end, all the way right up bumping up against chapter 15 there, ending in uh, 1431. And you could read about the rest of Rehoboam, who is the, he's the, the leader in Judah. And his, you know, the one who comes after him is a guy named Abijam and uh, how he takes over Judah. But ultimately you just read a ridiculous story a set of stories, rather, about Israel splitting. Israel is now divided. Israel is split up completely. They're no longer unified under the banner of God, but instead under the banner of human kings. And this looks so much like the Judges period, a divided nation running by the power of, of whoever is leading, whatever human being, all their jacked up brokenness is leading, and they're expecting a better life. But instead, what they receive is a horrible prophecy from God that the house of Jeroboam will be burned up completely and that at one point there will be nothing left of them. And so what is the lesson? What is the lesson of a divided and failing nation that we can have here in 2021? Well, unfortunately, I, I, I think it's, it's way too relevant. Unfortunately, I have just, I have so many thoughts and ideas about where we're going with this, but what I want you guys to look at is this simple concept of, again, the, the ideas of man, the way of man versus the way of God. And what it really comes down to is this concept of apostasy or idol worship. Now you may not be making golden calves for yourself. You may, you may not be going out to the backyard and, and building up some statues for you to worship or, you know, kneeling down at some sort of shrine of things. And so you may be thinking to yourself, well, I, I don't do idol worship. Like that's super messed up <laughs> and also really weird. I believe in God. So I don't do that. You may be thinking that to yourself, but here's the idea of what's happening is that they are making physical images for them to worship but that's no different from when you worship your job. It's no different from when you worship money and gaining money. It's no different from when you worship a friendship or a human, just another person. Maybe it's your wife or your husband. When you worship them and you put them on a pedestal, that's all you think about. It's where all your energy goes. Not good. 
Guys, this is dangerous, but idol worship sneaks up on us. At times, I'll be honest, this podcast is a bit of an idol worship. I wake up in the morning and that's the first thing I think of is, oh, I wonder if I can do this for an episode. Oh, I wonder how I can do this. Oh, and the, the goal is that, like my goal with a heart in my heart is that I want you guys to learn more about the Bible, learn more about God and fall deeper in love with him. As I always say to you, but at times when I'm making these thoughts in my head, what's really coming up is I want people to know who I am. I want people to know that I'm smart, to know that I know the Bible, to know that I'm trustworthy. I want people to, you know, fawn over me like they do other podcast people. And, and that is dangerous, but that is just one of the things that I do because other times I, you know, I, I worship sports. Like it sounds super lame and, and you say that out loud and you're like, that's so dumb. But like, I'll just sit and watch sports for hours on end sometimes. Like if Chanel's going to go hang out with some, um, Chanel's my wife, by the way. If Chanel's going to go hang out with some of her girlfriends and they're going to go hang out and do something, I'll literally sit at home and watch sports. I don't even care what it is. I'll watch cornhole. I don't care. I'll just watch it. And I won't get up. I won't do anything. I won't read any of the books that I've been reading. I won't go hang out with other friends. I won't text one of my youth kids to check in on them after a crisis they've been in. Or I won't see how one of my friends has been doing as he's been struggling. You know, I I won't do these things. I'll just inwardly focus. And so in, in and of itself, at the time, it doesn't feel like idol worship. But practically, what I'm doing is I'm spending all of my time, all of my energy, all of my effort into those things. And that is idol worship. And so my challenge for you guys today is to honestly look at your lives. Honestly, look at yourself and say, what is it that I'm worshiping? Am I worshiping my personal image? Spending all my hours and time thinking about the perfect diet, thinking about the perfect workout routine, my, the way that I look in the mirror. Am I spending all this time wondering about how many more hours I need to work overtime so I can get more money so that way I can buy this nice car or, or buy a bigger house or buy this awesome gear? You know, am I, am I doing that? Again, in and of itself, having money, not a bad thing. Spending money, not a bad thing. But when everything you do or most of the things that you do become about that goal, I would challenge you to say that your focus is on the wrong things. So where are you spending your time, your, your effort, your energy, your life? What do you care the most about? Because if it's not God, if it's not your personal relationship, your intimate relationship that you have the blessing and opportunity to have with the God who created the universe, who looks on you and says, I just want you to love me. That's all he wants. And if you take that, you see that, you know that, and you then say, nah, you know, this other thing is more important. That's idol worship. Where are you doing that? Because the challenge is for you to recognize that and not just, you know, run away from that or stop doing that thing because working out is good. Eating right is good. You know, having a job to pay for <laughs> things is, is important because you got to make rent. You got to pay bills. You know, you got, these are all fine things. But again, it's about your heart and where your heart is inclined. Because if you are more than likely going to run to those things to solve problems or more than likely going to run to those things to set your eyes on completely, then I'm just telling you that you're running down a hole that has happened all the way since Genesis 3 in which you choose yourself, your own desires, and the things that you want over the God of the universe who created everything, everything, and then wants a personal relationship with you recognize those things, call them out, write them down, make sense of them. And then I urge you 
to run away from those things and run instead towards the God of the universe because his arms are wide open. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Digging In Podcast Lessons From series. Join us next time as we shift gears a little bit and we don't talk about a king after Solomon, but the two major prophets that helped to try to save Israel. Israel.